Well, I think this is a good time to mention that we have um, Anchored Hope sock hats available for sale in the lobby. Um, there's a 2% discount today. Uh, <laughs> I got to apologize. I'm, I'm still, whatever, you know, virus or things are in the world, I'm still fighting some laryngitis and stuff. And so uh, I, I reached out to one of our members of our church who's a doctor this week, and uh, she gave me a steroid shot in my butt. Um, there's nothing weirder as a pastor to go to one of your members of your church, pull your pants down, and your daughter to be behind you going, Daddy, you got a big badonkadonk. And um, so that was my Wednesday. Um, and then you know, I, I was hanging out with Darren, our, our bass player, one of my best friends, and he goes, I kind of like it. He goes, you kind of got some conviction in your voice, you know. He said, man, he said, when my wife, Shana, when she gets a little rasp in her voice, I, I think it's sexy. I love it. And I said, well... That's between you and Shana, you know what I mean? Um, by the way, I, I'm the opposite of like Catholic priests. You know how Catholic priests, they keep everything secret. They keep it in the box. You share something like that with me, it's going to end up in the sermon. Um, so anyway, uh, but we're glad you guys are here. Hey, we're going to play a little game this morning, okay? Um, I played a game at New Year's. Um, it was highly inappropriate. And um, by the way, Scott Herbert was really good at it. Anyway, uh, but it's called Same But Different. And... Uh, uh, it's where you have two stacks of cards, um, safe and risky. One's a, whis- a risky scenario. One is a safe scenario. And you try to think of a, uh, a sentence that fits in both scenarios. Okay? So here's what we're going to do. Here's my phone number. This is dangerous within itself. Everybody pull your cell phones out. All right? Pull your cell phones out real quick. You guys are going to text me. We're going to play this game together. And uh, you guys are going to text me a, a, a phrase or anything, you're going to write something that fits in both scenarios, okay? So it fits in both places, all right? Pretty self-explanatory. You guys got my phone number. Put it in your messages. Put it in your text. By the way, some of you should be reminded, I have some of your numbers saved, okay? All right, so... And don't send me any weird pictures, okay? One time I gave my, my phone number out. Somebody sent me a, a video where they had a panda helmet on their head and a gun in their hand. It was really weird. Anyway, uh, I think they go to North Road now. Anyway, um, <laughs> have I mentioned I'm on steroids, Sudafed, and Mucinex? Anyway, um, let's read two scenarios, okay? So you're going to give me a sentence that fits with these two scenarios here. Something you can say at the dentist... And something you can say when you have your first kiss. All right? One sentence, one phrase. I'm going to pull out my phone. You've got about 30 seconds for them to start pouring in here. Oh, yeah. Here they already come. Um, let's see. Emil said, Do you have, did you have tuna for lunch? That's a very, uh, <laughs> very good. Um, somebody said, please be gentle. Um, that fits as well. Uh, let's see what else somebody says. Um, you have a great mouth. That's it. Yeah, that fits. Um, somebody said a bit wider, please. Okay. Um, typically that's not the scenario you'd like to be in. Um, somebody, somebody else said, what is this going to cost me? Um, I don't think that's a first kiss. I think that's something else. Uh, Let's see. Um, this is from a member of our staff. That hurt more than I thought it was going to. Okay. Uh, let's see here. Um, 
does that go in there like that? Okay, that's what uh, somebody said. Does that go in there like that? Uh, my wife texted me, so how do you like my mouth? And uh, let's see. Uh, this is from a member of our leadership team. You remind me of my pastor. That's a little too far. Uh, uh, <laughs> that's very, very interesting. Um, Danae says, open up, buttercup. Okay, that's enough. Um <laughs> I've known Tim and Danae a long time. I wouldn't put it past them, all right? Anyway, you know what's really funny about that game? What's really funny about that is there's something that's very important. I mean, you can say the same thing, right? You say one phrase, but it's, it's totally different. You say something like that at the dentist. They go, you know, just kind of, you know, brush it off. It's not a big deal or anything like that. You say that when you have your first kiss or anything like that. Uh, it, it can mean a whole different thing. What matters, there's a big thing that matters, and that is... Context, right? Context matters. Location, location, location. I mean, context is what matters in each of those scenarios. And that's what can kind of make it funny. That's what can kind of make it cringy. Kind of depends. And you know what? That's what we're going to talk about today. Because last week we began a new series called Compass. And we talked about, everybody knows what a compass is. It's a tool to help you navigate through life. And we believe as Christians that the Bible, the Bible is a tool to help us navigate through life. It's help us, it helps us to know what the wise thing to do is, what the next step we should take. I mean, we believe that it speaks into our life. And we talked about last week, we began talking about a little bit of the context of the Bible, where the Bible came from. You know, after Jesus died and then uh, was resurrected and ascended into heaven, there was no Bible for three generations. For hundreds and hundreds of years, all they had were stories. It wasn't until 10 years after Jesus left that people like Matthew and Mark and Luke and John started to write an account of Jesus' life, which was amazing in its own right because we don't have anyone in the first century. We don't have an account, a multiple accounts of anybody's life. Even famous people like Tiberius Caesar, there was no account of his life, but we have four of Jesus's. And then by the second century, people like Paul, John, James, they start writing letters that start circulating. And then they, everybody has bits and pieces of all of this. And then they include the Old Testament text because the Gentiles, when they got a hold of the Old Testament Jewish text, they said, oh my goodness, this all points to Jesus. And so they included it in there. And then it wasn't until hundreds of years later, we get the Bible. It wasn't until 13, uh, 313, that Constantine makes Christianity legal, they can finally put all this together. They copy 50 copies of the Bible to give to the state priest. And then it wouldn't be printed and circulated amongst common folk until 1455. And so here's the thing. We talked about how this is a tool. It's not the foundation of our faith. The foundation of our faith is in the resurrection of Jesus Christ because that's all people had and that was enough. That was enough to reshape society in, in the European world. And the Western society has been completely reshaped just by the teachings and foundation of Jesus and the fact that he was resurrected. I mean, Christianity should have died after the cross. It did. They all ran scared. But when they saw their Lord and Savior, their rabbi alive, they put their faith in him and it was so life-changing so compelling that they decided to write it down and that's how we get this and we're the reason that we read this the reason we use it as a tool as a compass is we said this is because god is in this therefore in this there is something for you but 
I said, I I left you in a cliffhanger last week. I talked about how while we believe that this is all inspired by God, not all of this is applicable to you and I. Because, as we're going to see today, context greatly, greatly matters. You know, uh, on Twitter or X, whatever you want to call it, um, I, I enjoy Twitter. It's, it's, it's interesting to me. But one of the things I really like is they have this thing called community notes. So when you see a, a video or, or something that's written, an article that can sometimes be uh, disturbing or evoke emotion, um, they have community notes. And what community notes are for is for people to write context of what you're actually reading. So sometimes it turns out something is not true, like things like political things or stuff, or you maybe see a video and you need to know the context. And so the community notes explains the context. So for instance, this past week, uh, scrolling through Twitter, I see a video, um, young couple on a boat in the middle of the ocean, no land to be seen. And, um, this, this boy that's on the boat jumps into the ocean. He's swimming. He's having a good time. What well, says in the, the subcaption that this girl thought that her boyfriend was cheating on her. So he jumps in the ocean. He starts swimming. She turns on the boat and drives off. And you just see this poor boy left in the middle of the ocean. And I'm going, oh my gosh, this girl is savage. I mean, wow. I mean, if it was my daughter, I'd be proud of her. But I was like, wow, this is really savage. And I mean, you know, my initial reaction, my initial emotions were... I was a little worried. I was like, is, is he alive? Like, we didn't see the end, you know? Is he alive? Is he okay? And that kind of made me think about his safety. And then I kind of got upset at the girl. And I'm like, I mean, that's, that's pretty bad, you know? I mean, you might have killed somebody. And here we are watching it on Twitter. And so, you know, all these emotions start coming up. Well, in the community notes, it says, hey, this is a couple. This is a sketch. They plan these sketches out. This video is not real. This was all planned. He's okay. He's still alive, you know? So I read the community notes. And I'm like, oh, okay, well, I can laugh at this, you know? So it helped me navigate through my thoughts, my emotions, my feelings. That's what context does. Context helps us navigate and make right judgment calls, right? It helps us interpret things. It helps us understand things. And the thing is, is when it comes to the Bible, context, context, context. Context greatly matters. It's what shapes the message. It's what helps us interpret what we're reading. And so I want to share with you some things that we sometimes take out of context and show you just how easy it is to take out of context. Like, let's take uh, tattoos, for instance, right? Did you know that it says in the Bible that it is a sin to have tattoos? I'll read it for you. It's black and white. Leviticus 19 in your Old Testament. Do not cut your bodies for the dead or put tattoo marks on yourselves. I am the Lord. Pretty black and white, right? So... I think it's only uh, appropriate this morning. I should probably resign uh, because I have sinned 15 times and I have a deposit to sin in March uh, down. Um, shout out to Jason Reynolds who has uh, decorated my pasty moly body. Uh, so it just it's there, right? Black and white, pretty simple. Can't have tattoos. But here's the thing. When we understand the context, things start to change. All right. So for instance, right? 
What we have to understand about the context of this is God has just uh, uh, helped his people, the descendants of Abraham, the Israelites, the Jews. They have escaped Egypt and they are in newfound territory. And God is trying to, you know, again, make them into a great nation. And he wants them to be different than any other kind of people group. And one of the things that many tribes did at this time is when they worshipped other false gods, like the God of Baal, they would try to get Baal's attention through prayer and sacrifices. And when they didn't, what they would do is they would cut themselves. So they would cut themselves because they believed if Baal sees us in turmoil, if he sees us bleeding, then he will turn his attention to us and he will bless us and he will answer our prayers. So people were tattooing their body. They were cutting themselves. And God looks at them in in Leviticus and he's giving them all these laws, all these rules. And he goes, please don't do that. That's not how this works. Nobody cut themselves, okay? Please don't cut yourselves. Don't do that. That's not how this works. Uh, I want you guys to be completely different. So do not cut yourselves. But here's the thing. So that's, that, that's understanding context. So you could still go, okay, but in 2023, like, should we still not tattoo our body? Like, is this still not a thing we should do? But here's what we have to understand. When Jesus comes on the scene, he talks about how he has come to fulfill the law, right? How we, he is going to give us a new covenant. He goes, I am here to make a new covenant with you, a new agreement with you. The Old Testament also known as the old covenant. That is the old, but I'm coming to give you something new. And Jesus, one of the things that got him in so much trouble is he takes all of these laws in Leviticus. And remember, there's not just 10 commandments, okay? I know for some reason we're fascinated with the 10 commandments. There's 613 of them in Leviticus, okay? 613 laws and rules. This is one of them. And Jesus comes on the scene and he starts to kind of ignore some of those. I mean, he starts healing people on the Sabbath. He tells people, Hey, I know that one law. You all know that one law. It says, don't kill each other. I tell you what, if you're even angry with each other, you've committed that you've committed a sin. So he starts to reshape everybody's understanding and undermining some commands, elevating some commands. Some of them he, he, he agrees with some of them. He says, you don't need to worry about that. But the covenant that he makes with these, with the Gentiles, with his followers, he goes, Hey, I want you to love God and love other people. All the commands can be summed up in this command, love God and love others like the same uh, two sides of the same coin. And so he changes all of this. So here's the thing. You and I, we're not under this command. We're not under the law. It's why we don't follow Jewish dietary restrictions. It's why it's okay if you came in here and you've got tattoos. I mean, we don't follow that. Now, here's the thing. You may have a background or you may know somebody who still is very much, you know, no, the Ten Commandments, like that's, that's, that, that's like the moral code, you know, the, the commands and the laws of this, the Old Testament, just as, just as important as the command to love God and love others. But here's the thing. Many of the New Testament writers, the disciples, they fought that same battle too. The Pharisees, the Jews, they were very much in support of combining the old and the new. Let's just, let's sandwich them together as far as religion goes. And Paul and, and Peter and so many said, look, you, you can't do that. I mean, nobody could do it. That's why Jesus came because nobody could keep the law. Nobody could be perfect except for Jesus. He was the only one who could. And here's the thing. You can't pick and choose which laws we're going to keep. Okay. It's either all or nothing. That's what they said. Peter, he says something very graphic. He tells people, if you're going to do all of that, then you guys all got to run off and go get circumcised. Anyway, you read that on your own. But 
He says it's either all or nothing. And so here's the thing. you got to understand that. Because just a couple of verses before this tattoo verse, like here's one of the laws that was given to him by God. He says, do not wear clothing woven of two kinds of material. I don't know if you've checked your tag on your shirt lately, okay? But again, if you're so convinced that the Old Testament law is still applies to us today, I tell you what, at the end of service, we're going to sing one last final song. It's going to be real soft and smooth and very easy to respond to. And we're just, we're going to bow our heads and close our eyes. And if any of you want to give up your sinful shirt this morning, you just go ahead, take it off and lay it at the altar. Okay. And we'll all forgive you. You know, uh, that would be a really awkward way to end service, wouldn't it? Uh, seeing some of you guys walk around shirtless. Let's all keep that on. Okay. Uh, but that's one of the laws that's in there. And here's the thing, just like the new Testament writers spoke of, it's either all or nothing. And that doesn't apply to us. Now we're probably all very thankful for that because I know a lot of our congregation has tattoos. All right. I mean, it's a very common thing in culture today. So that one we're like, Oh, good grief. That's, that, that's a thing. But it's not just those kind of verses. Sometimes we even take verses out of context, even in the New Testament, and we try to apply them to our good. Like, for instance, this is one that's commonly seen. It, it's Philippians 4.13. I can do all things, or I can do all this through him who gives me strength. This is a very Instagram worthy scripture verse, right? I mean, you'll see this one commonly uh, on social media, maybe somebody at the gym and they're like, I could do all things through Christ who gives me strength. Caption that, you know, or uh, I remember in 2009 when Tim Tebow played for the Florida Gators and, you know, Tim Tebow is a big thing because he's always out there praying and stuff. He had this on his eye makeup, the 2009 season, every game he had Philippians 4, 13 written on his face. You even hear like celebrities, maybe somebody wins like a golden globe or something. They're like, I just want to thank my Lord and savior. I knew I could do this because I could do all things who gives, you know, through God who gives me strength, you know? And it's this idea, like, which if you just read that right black and white, what the idea is you could do anything through Christ who gives you strength. You just got to have enough faith. You just got to believe enough and you can do all things. Now, Think about this for an instant, okay? You guys see me. I'm not super tall, right? Um, if you met my wife in the cafe, she's shorter than I am, okay? We have two kids, Olivia uh, and Brayden. Olivia, do you want to come up here just to give an example or anything like that? No, you don't? Okay, that's all right. But if you meet my kids, they're very, very small, okay? And so let's say I'm sitting there with my son, Brayden. He's seven years old. He's about this tall, okay? And let's say I'm sitting there and I just read him this verse. No context or anything. And I say, Braden, you know, Philippians, the Bible says, son, Philippians 4.13, you can do all things, all things in Christ who gives you strength. And he says, Daddy, I believe it. Daddy, I don't know why I give this voice to my kid. But anyway, Daddy, I believe it. I do. And Daddy, I believe, I have enough faith that one day, Daddy, I'm going to grow to be six feet tall. <laughs> why are you guys laughing? <laughs> because I'm under five, five. My wife is under five, five. My kids came out the size of action figures. Okay. <laughs> there hasn't been a white Davis on this planet. Who's been over six feet tall. Okay. 
all the ones that are from my bloodline from Ireland or Texas, none of them are over six feet tall. Okay. That's a whole different thing. Okay. So I would look at my son and be like, have different dreams, you know, <laughs> maybe pray a different prayer, son. Uh, cause I don't know about that one, but here's the thing again. It's not even practical. Right? It's not even practical. But here's the thing. If we understand the context, if we read a little bit before, a little bit after, we understand the context, right? Like, number one, Paul is writing this letter from prison, okay? He's not in a winning position. He's not in a good place. He's writing this from prison. And guess what? When you read it, he doesn't think he's going to get out. He's like, I'm going to die probably here. But this is what he says just two verses before. He says, I'm not saying this because I'm in need. For I have learned to be content, whatever the circumstance. I know what it is to be in need. And I know what it is to have plenty. But I have learned the secret of being content in any and every situation. Whether well-fed or hungry. Whether living with plenty or in want. See, this verse is not about our potential. This verse is not just have enough faith, brother, and you can do all things. This is not the verse that you want to share at the gym where you're obviously not content with how you look and you are trying to better yourself. Okay? This is a verse about being content with yourself. I mean, if a pro baller or a pro athlete actually did have this tattooed on their face or written on their shoe or whatever else, and they were interviewed, after the game or before the game and they came up to him and they're like, hey, Mr. Tebow, could you just tell us a little bit? What, what, what is that verse? Philippians 4.13. What does it mean on your face? If he was actually going to speak about it in context, he'd say, well, you know, the thing is, Kelly, uh, I don't really care whether we win or whether we lose today. I'm just here to have fun. Uh, I've, I've learned the secret of being content in my life. I've won some things. I've lost some things. This game doesn't really matter to me. I'm going to be perfectly content at the end of the night. And I just, I just want to go out there and be like Christ. Okay. If you were that guy's head coach, you'd get, come over here, right? You had better want to win, right? That's what you want out of your pro athlete. But if, if, if we're going to take this verse in context and, and actually interpret it correctly or exegete it correctly, that's how it would go because it's about being content. But the thing is, is that the only way you could ever discern that is through context. And that's the thing. Context leads to discernment. Context is so, so important because it leads to discernment. It helps us make judgment calls. It helps us navigate through our emotions and our thoughts. I mean, did you know, if you just look up the word discernment in the dictionary, it actually has a Christian context for this word. This is what uh, uh, your uh, dictionary says. Discernment means perception in the absence of judgment with a view to obtaining spiritual guidance and understanding. Now, I know that doesn't make a whole lot of sense, but basically this is what this means. If you don't understand the context, then you have the potential to make a poor judgment call. Just think about that for a minute. If you don't understand the context of what you're reading, you have the potential to make a poor judgment call. And I'll tell you, as a pastor's kid, as a pastor, somebody whose sister's in ministry, whose dad's in ministry, I've seen that a lot. And I've seen people struggle with that. And I've seen people lose their faith over that. You know, I've I've seen people pick this up and, and flip through it 
just flip and point and find a promise of God, a promise that, that God makes, especially in the Old Testament. And they claim that promise for themselves without knowing the context. And they go, oh, all I have to do is, is pray without ceasing and God will answer my prayer. All I have to do is have faith and I can move a mountain. I, God will never test me more than I can handle. They'll claim something. They'll read something out of context. And then what will happen is it won't come true. They'll still struggle. Things won't get better. That person won't be healed. That person will pass away. Their, their troubles will get worse. Their, and their faith, their faith will begin to struggle because they had claimed these promises and they had believed these things in here without understanding the context first. And they claimed them for themselves. And then when they didn't become a reality or God didn't show up how they thought he was going to show up, they lose their faith and they walk away from their faith. Sometimes we do that to ourselves. We set ourselves up for that. Sometimes we do that to other people or it happens to us. I've watched people again, go through hard times, go through different things. My sister, a couple years ago, miscarried a child, very traumatic. She went through counseling, she dealt with it. She put something out on social media about it to try to connect with other people, to give hope to other people, tried to tell her story. You know, whenever she finally talked about it, she would have people share with her verses, again, out of context, trying to help, but not helping actually at all. You know, again, verse that you commonly probably all know and can, can remember uh, all over Hobby Lobby, Jeremiah twenty nine eleven, right? Verses like, for I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you, not to harm you. Plans to give you hope and a future. And again, when my sister went through what she went through, and then somebody sends her Jeremiah twenty nine eleven, she goes, excuse me? Are you trying to tell me it was God's plan for me to miscarry my child? Are you, are you trying to tell me that this was some, that God was behind this? You know, I, I've had people in my office who have gone through um, uh, attacks, sexual attacks, things with predators and stuff. And people have said things to him like, well, everything happens for a reason. Excuse me? And again, I don't think the person is, is, they're trying to help. We always are trying to help. Sometimes Christians, they try to help too much. Christians, we're always trying to think of the right words when what we need to learn is we need to listen before we talk. And it's more important to listen sometimes. Some of the most, one of the most loving things you can do is shut up sometimes, okay? Quote me on that. It's just be quiet and just be listen, listening and be there for people. But I have sat there with people who have shared verses like Jeremiah 29, 11 with people. And it hasn't given them hope. It's actually made them angrier at God who have said things inaccurate, like everything happens for a reason. And, and people have gone, really? Is that what's going on? And here's the thing. Not only is that harmful, it's terrible, terrible theology. It's completely inaccurate. I mean, again, we have to understand the context. We have to look at not only the context of Jeremiah 29, 11, but we have to understand the context of the whole thing. I mean, Jeremiah 29, 11, this verse that everyone is obsessed with and loves to claim as their favorite verse. I swear to you, this is the funniest thing. Somebody on the, we love Troy page this morning. Somebody was like, share your favorite Bible verse. People were sharing this one. Like Jeremiah 29, 11 gives me so much hope. I love this verse so much. And I go, okay, you should tune in to Anchored Hope Church this morning. Because do you know what it says in the verse before 11? 
Well, here's what verse 10 says. This is what the Lord says. When 70 years are completed for Babylon, I will come to you and fulfill my good promise to bring you back to this place. For I know the plans I have for you, blah, 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 right? Here's the thing. Context of this verse, the Israelites had misbehaved and turned their back on God and they were in time out. And so God allowed the Babylonians to come in and invade them and destroy and mess up their entire temple system. And they were in time out and God comes to them through a prophet and says, look, for the next 70 years, I'm going to continue to let Babylon be Babylon. But don't worry. After 70 years, we will try again. All right. I mean, if you are in your 50s and heard this, you're like, I'll be dead by then. Right. I mean, not very hopeful, not very helpful at all. But yet, it's so funny, Jeremiah 29, 11, there's so many, if you, uh, graduation, you go through Christian graduation cards, that's the verse that you see in there, which basically is telling a graduate, hey, guess what? In 70 years, this is all going to work out, right? Great. That's very, very helpful and hopeful. But that's the context of this verse. But again, bigger picture We talked about this at Christmas. The reason that Jesus came is to show us what God is like. This is why so much was written about Jesus because he claimed to be God on earth. And he claimed to see, Jesus said, hey, if you've seen me, you've seen the father. And one of the things that Jesus said, there was one day the disciples and Jesus, they're walking through town. They see a man who's sick and in a terrible season of life. And the disciples go, hey, Jesus, who sinned, that man or his father? Because they believed in a spiritual karma. They believed just like it was in the Old Testament. You did something wrong, God got you, right? God is after you. And so there's spiritual karma. You do bad, just like happened in Jeremiah 29, 11. God will get you. And so they're like, hey, who sinned? Is it his sin or his parents' sin? Which one, A or B? And Jesus looks at him and goes, that's not the way it works. Neither. There is no spiritual karma. Not everything happens for a reason, Okay. And he looks at him and he goes, look, you got to understand, not everything happens for a reason. Life happens sometimes. Life is broken. What happened to this man is not his fault nor his parents' fault. But let me show you how God can work through broken things. And he heals the man to show them that God can overcome the things of this world. That's what we know to be true. Because Jesus is the picture of what our father is actually like. We're going to talk about that actually next week, about how everything has to point to Jesus or go through Jesus. But for the context of this verse, we have to understand Jeremiah 29, 11, it sounds so good. I get it. But that is not a promise to you. That is not a promise to me. That is a promise to the descendants of Abraham at a certain time during a certain, during a certain incident. It's not something you and I should hold on to. We've got to understand these things. Context is so very important because here's the thing. When you get the context wrong, when you get the context wrong, you endanger yourself. You put yourself in a tricky, tricky situation to where you possibly could lose your faith. I've seen it happen before where people claim things that were not meant for them, claimed promises, claimed, tried to try to understand God better and not gotten the full picture, not gotten the full context of what God wants or what God is like. And they've put themselves in a tricky situation where it has become 
easy to have a fragile faith and for them to walk away from their faith. It's why we, we have to gather together like in contexts like this and go through this together and understand it and exegete it and talk about it and, and work it out. Because none of us want to put ourselves in a space where we could possibly easily walk away from our faith. But the other thing is this. Not only are you possibly putting yourself in a situation, but we're all called to be the light in dark places, the salt of the earth. I mean, we represent Christ. We together, we are the body of Christ. Our church represents Christ. You at work, you are Christ to your friends on your neighborhood, at your school, where you go. You represent Christ. And here's the other thing. When you get the context wrong, you endanger other people. You know, when, when things like my sister went through, thank God that my sister has a faith that could go through that. It didn't make it easier. It's still hard. But my sister knows who God is. And my sister knows what is true and what is untrue. And people said some things to her that were out of context. And they meant to be helpful, but actually ended up being hurtful. My sister is wise enough to be able to navigate through that. But that hasn't been true of everybody. I've had other people who haven't been able to navigate through those things. And they've been told some really bonehead stuff. From Christians, from family, who, 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 intended, who intended to be helpful, but actually shared something out of context. And it actually endangered their faith, actually put them mentally, emotionally in a terrible spot that, that God never intended them to be in. So you got to understand, just like how we talked about last week, this is a tool, but it is not as simple as it looks. This is a loaded gun. This, 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 this has to be used responsibly. This has to be used with integrity. And you and I, we are stewards of the word. We are stewards of this. This was protected for generations and generations so it could be handed to us. And now we have it so easily accessible and available to us. But we have to understand how to apply this properly to our lives and how to share it properly with other people people. And the way we do that is by doing our due diligence and understanding the context. Let me put it this way. You understand the context and you'll understand the message. You understand the message and you'll understand the application. That's what we do here together, right? As we go through sermon series and we talk about things like integrity or friendship and different stuff like that, we have to use this Properly, And so I want to give you three questions to ask yourself when you're going through the scripture, when you're going through the text and you're reading your devotion. I want to give you three questions to ask yourself as you read. Okay. And the questions are this, who wrote this and who were they writing to? This is the first one. Who wrote this and who were they writing to? This is so, so very important. Who actually wrote this? You know, I always tell people, it's, it's so easy to just flip this open and to pick a verse. You know what I mean? Just to open this up and go, I think that one, right? Philippians 4.13, that sounds good. All right, post that on my Instagram. Here we go. All right, did my due diligence, read the word for today, right? But we have to understand the context of it. I always tell people, if you're going to pick a, a letter or a book of the Bible, start at the beginning and read it from the beginning to the end. 
Okay, if you just open this up and start at, you know, Ephesians 6, you're going to be really confused, okay? It's like turning on Jack Reacher and watching episode 5 of 8, okay? You're going to turn it on and be like, oh, he's a tall, good-looking guy, but I don't know much else of what's going on, right? But sure, I'm in, okay? No, no, no. You're going to watch Jack Reacher. You're going to go start at season 1, episode 1, and you're going to start to understand who the character is, the context, what they've been through, what their objective is. That's what you do when you watch a movie or a TV show or a book, right? That's the same thing. It's the same way we should treat this. This is not a flip open and point to a verse type situation. We got to ask ourselves, who wrote this? Who were they writing to? And we got to try to understand the context. Second question is this, why? Why was this written? Jeremiah 29, 11, right? We understand now why it was written. The, the, the uh, Israelites had messed up. They were in timeout. We understand why God told them what he told them. That's very important to the story. We've got to understand when Paul writes these letters, Paul says some stuff that sometimes can seem contrary to other things he wrote. That's all explained when we start to understand the context of who he's writing to, why he's writing it. So we've got to go back and we've got to understand all that. And the third question is this, is it helpful to me right now? Man, sometimes I tell you, you're going to read something in here and you're going to be like, well, that didn't land. You know, I don't know what that's about today. I don't know. He's talking about mustard seeds and planting things in the ground, storing things. Up. I don't know what he's talking about anyway. You know, I mean, I guess I'll try again tomorrow. But here's the thing. Sometimes, man, you'll read this and it's just you get a word like that. Right. I mean, you're like, I can apply this to my life today. Got it. Message heard. Thank you, God. Sometimes it's not always like that. And you know, I, I really believe, I love to journal when I read the Bible. Sometimes I'll read something and I have no clue what it means, but I'll write it down and I'll try to understand the context. And it won't be something that will mean something to me till much, much later. But then I'll come into a season of my life where I'm struggling with something, I'm going through something. And that verse, I'll be like, ah, now I can see it. Now I understand it. Man, now... Now that means a great deal to me. And sometimes, sometimes it's for you. And sometimes too, the word that you're reading is not for you. It's for somebody else. And you got to pray about and have the best discernment of know when to share that. Uh, buddy of mine, we were talking about a situation where he didn't know what to do. Uh, and, and he was struggling with it. I shared it with my wife. I was like, man, I was, I was t- talking with this guy, man, he's struggling with the situation. He doesn't know what to do. And she had just read a verse that applied to his situation about how some of us, when we feel like we're having to be the strong one and bear the load of everybody, that that's what God, sometimes God calls us to be the strong people to bear the load for the week. And we should accept that responsibility and and we should step in and be that leader. And my wife goes, here's a, hey, I, this is just what I read today. I think this applies to your situation. And I said, my goodness, yes, this applies so much. And I shared it with him. See, that came through my wife's time in her devotions, right? But through community with one another and her sharing that word with me, it was able to help my friend to where I texted it to him. He goes, oh man, he goes, that nailed it. Yeah, yeah. Here I was thinking all these things and getting lost in my own thoughts and emotions and stuff. And I was being a bit selfish. And I tell you what, that, that really applies. Thank you so much. See, sometimes that's what the word is there for. It's the living word and it's moving and working through every single one of us. The thing I want you to know today 
is that context, context helps us understand the Bible. And you have to do more than just flip this open and read a verse. You got to do more than look at just the verse of the day or whatever that app is. You got to do your due diligence. You've got to be responsible with this thing. You got to read some before. You got to read some after. You got to think about it. You got to Google some things. You're going to have to ask some questions. That's what it takes to be a good steward of this. That's what it takes for you to walk wisely in your faith and to use this tool correctly. That's what it takes for you to be a light in a dark world and to be the salt of the earth. But it takes patience. It takes integrity. It takes due diligence. Are you willing to put the time in for that? See, here's the thing. The Bible, the Bible may not have been written to you but it was written for you for generations and generations, thousands of brave, brave men and women. They protected this because they believed that this was not just for them, that this was for you, that this would help you navigate through life and navigate the questions of your faith. They did their due diligence in protecting this and interpreting this and passing this on to us. Now we have it so easily and accessible in our hands. Let us be responsible for this. Let us represent Christ well. You know, this morning, some of you, your story may be like a lot of other people's story. You know, we're a church for people who don't like church. I, I had a friend who was in first service. She just came at Christmas for the first time. She goes to my CrossFit gym and I was talking to her yesterday and she said, man, let me tell you how I grew up. It, it, it broke my faith. I, I, as soon as I got old enough, as soon as I got to be a teenager, I walked away as quickly as I could because there were just so many things I didn't understand and there was so much hypocrisy and there were so many things that were promised and told to me and they, they didn't become true. And man, I was real hesitant, man. I was real hesitant when I walked into your church on Christmas. But I walked in and I thought, I really think these people are the real deal. I really think pe these people are actually trying to understand this and apply this correctly and actually trying to live this out. Look, you may have been in a season of your life where this put you, this endangered your faith. This puts you in a tricky situation. This puts you in a spot where it was easy to walk away from your faith. On behalf of the church, I'm sorry that that happened to you. On behalf of the church, I'm sorry that that was your experience. But here's the thing. You're here now and you can start over again. You can start to understand the context of this and you can start to ask the right questions. You can start to break this down and cipher through this and navigate through it. And you can be the difference maker in somebody else's life. Instead of endangering somebody's faith, instead of putting them in a situation where it's easy for them to walk away from the faith, you can be a light that draws them closer to God. Because as we say here all the time, we believe that Jesus makes your life better and makes you better at life. And he gives us the tools in here to make that possible. Let me pray for you this morning. Father God, as we come to you today, I pray that you would help us to be good stewards of your word. God, this is a complicated tool. It is hard sometimes to navigate through it. But God, we believe that with your help, if we lean not on our own understanding, that you, you can help us understand this and use this 
as the tool that it was meant to be used for. God, would you, would you help us to do our due diligence and to have integrity as we read our Bible? Would you help us uh, to understand your word and your messages in it, Lord, so that we can represent you well on this earth? God, we thank you, and we pray these things in your name. Amen. Well, the band's going to come back up, and we're going to sing... Uh...